Tourism is vital to a growing city in establishing its identity and prosperity. Visit Sacramento markets our region as a destination to generate economic impact. CEO Mike Testa joins us to tell us more about Sacramento's success and its future as a tourist destination, next on Studio Sacramento. Mike, how has the world's view of Sacramento changed over the past, say, decade? I think mainly the view has changed away from Sacramento being just a government town or the capital of the gold rush to a city that is growing the food that feeds the rest of the country, a region that is an agricultural powerhouse, and a, and a city that uh, is on the rise and, and in the same breath as other, other great American cities that Sacramento wasn't mentioned with before previously. And what exactly does Visit Sacramento do? So our job is to get people from the outside to come to Sacramento, stay in a hotel, spend their discretionary dollars at restaurants and bars and retail stores, then go back wherever they came from and hopefully do it the next year. We say in Visit Sacramento that tourism isn't about the tourist. It's about driving economic impact that benefits the people who live in Sacramento. So those outside dollars that come into the community benefit the residents of that community. I'm glad you raised that because one of the arguments that's constantly made about investments like the convention center expansion and other civic amenities is these are amenities that the taxpayers within Sacramento are paying for, but they don't benefit from it. How do you respond to that? So first of all, the taxpayer that lives here, unless they're staying in a hotel, isn't paying for those projects. The convention center, the memorial auditorium, the community center theater, all those are being paid out of the transient occupancy tax, which is the, the tax that, that you pay when you stay at a hotel. Not only those projects, you look at the investment in the old Sacramento waterfront, $47 million coming out of the transient occupancy tax. You look at a portion of the powerhouse science center coming out of the transient occupancy tax. So, so again, you've got visitors staying in hotels generating those dollars that are building projects that benefit the locals. So this is not taxpayer money coming from just sort of general taxation, property taxes, things like that? No, those projects that I mentioned come from the hotel tax. So again, unless you're a local staying the night in a hotel, you're not paying that. Uh, that blows me away because I've always been under the impression, and, and I think that I'm not alone, yeah. that it's that we're being taxed in order to finance these projects. Yeah, and I've seen that before. You know, we passed a, a tourism improvement district a few years ago that, that supplies about 65% of our funding. And there were some stories on local media, and one of the newscaster ended the story with, so what does that mean for us in Sacramento? More new taxes. No, it doesn't. It means that there's an assessment on your hotel bill when you stay in hotels, but it doesn't increase the tax rate for those of us who live here. And, you know, again, you, you rattle off so many projects that receive either 100% or part of their funding from transient occupancy tax. It's a good thing. And these projects and the events that are put in these projects... Yeah. What do they mean for Sacramento, not just from a cultural amenity standpoint, but from an economic impact perspective? So let's just take the convention center. Conventions that were booked last year by Visit Sacramento in the convention center generated about $132 million in visitor spending. And a lot of people will look at the convention center and just look at the budget for that building, the P&L sheet for that building. It's either losing 200 grand or making 200 grand. If it's losing 200 grand, it's a terrible investment. If you're not looking at the entire impact of conventions, and that means 
the spending in restaurants, the spending in bars. You forgot your tie when you came to the convention, so you had to go to Macy's and buy a new one. That, that spending is spread throughout. And, and I will tell you that one of the restaurants tells me often that during Sacramento's largest convention, his business increased over three days by $40,000. It's one restaurant. So you think about all these other restaurants seeing the same benefit. What's the largest convention that comes to Sacramento? The Wine and Grape Symposium, uh, which is hosted in January, is the largest. About 14,000 delegates generates about 9,000 hotel rooms. And then there's other events, the Aftershock Music Festival, which is three days, 40,000 people a day. That'll generate over 20,000 hotel rooms. Yeah, let, let's talk about that. What is the Aftershock Festival and why does it matter? So Aftershock is the largest hard rock show on the West Coast. Started as a one-day festival uh, about seven years, 12,000 people. This year it will be... Uh, uh, 120,000 people over three days. Metallica is the headliner. It's 52 plus bands. And what we found with this event, and, and this is why I think it's so valuable, we know who's coming because they give us the zip code report on ticket sales. So we're not guessing where people are coming from. It is a destination festival. As hard rock is your genre, this is worth getting on an airplane. And so they're going to Discovery Park at 11 o'clock or whenever they go, but that means they're having breakfast in their hotel, they're having breakfast downtown. They're getting out of Discovery Park at 10 o'clock. They're not going back and going to bed. They're going to bars, they're going to restaurants. So again, the impact of all these people coming into the market and of those 120,000 people, 60% of them don't live in this region. So they're visitors. They're spending money on everything that you and I spend money on when, when, when we're not in our city. The impact is huge just from that financial piece, but also the marketing, to be able to host the largest rock festival on the West Coast, it's pretty good cachet for Sacramento. Well, do you think that the people within Sacramento and the region actually understand the significance of that? No, and we had this conversation the other day at a, at a conference I was at that sometimes the impact of extra traffic or road closures is a burden if I live in that neighborhood because it's, it's impacting my ability to, to drive around. But I think when you think about how many jobs are being generated over just that three-day music festival because they're setting it up for a week in advance, they're tearing it down for a week after. How many jobs, how many businesses are being supported? How many hotel workers had to come on and do an extra shift because the hotel is full? How many restaurants had to bring in more service staff who they have to pay who will then spend that money into the market? I, I think the challenge in Sacramento and smaller markets is Tourism is not intuitive. You know, you think about Las Vegas or you think about New York. It is a $3 billion industry in Sacramento, more than 15 million people a year. It's a $3 billion industry in Sacramento? In the Sacramento region, yes. Really? Yes. And, and something that happens, say, in downtown Sacramento at the convention center right. or Discovery Park, how far does that reverberate out? I mean, hotel spends, uh, retail, all that sort of stuff. So in, in the Sacramento region, we have about 16,000 hotel rooms. When you look at something like Aftershock that's generating more than 20,000 room nights, and again, that's over a three-day period, they're staying from Davis to Rockland. That's not just Sacramento proper. They're staying in Airbnbs. They're staying in VRBOs. So the impact is significant because it's spread across the region. Again, if I'm staying in a hotel in Davis, I'm probably having breakfast in Davis before I drive to Discovery Park. And how did I get there? I probably took an Uber, and I'm going to take an Uber home. So. I think that's what people probably don't understand is the entire visitor economy. It's about everything you do when you're out of town. Did you rent a car? Did you take an Uber? Did you go out to lunch? Did you eat in your hotel? Was it part of the convention service? There's so many pieces of this and so much employment that comes with, with tourism that, again, unless you're intuitively a, a Las Vegas, you probably don't realize the impact. So you're funded, Visit Sacramento is funded by a assessment among hotel operators within Sacramento. 
it sounds like the benefits are pretty broad. Yes. Uh, Airbnbs benefit, Uber benefits, all these other entities benefit. Do they all kick in too? No. Uh, so our funding, we get about 65% from the hotel assessment. We get about 17% between the city and county. We generate another 20 or so percent on our own. Um, Places like Airbnb, they pay into the transient occupancy tax for the city, but that's not part of our funding. Recently, uh, in September of 19, they started paying into a tourism district that, that we have. We established a second one to expand the convention center, so the hotel community created $50 million in revenue to fund a 40,000 square foot ballroom in the convention center. They thought it was that important uh, as part of the expansion. The, a number of local Airbnb, Airbnb operators said they don't think they get any business from conventions, so they didn't want to pay that, and they, they filed a lawsuit so they, they wouldn't have to pay that. But if you go to Airbnb's corporate website, conventions are a huge piece of what they're trying to do and what they're trying to pursue. And we know from conventioneers, we ask them where they're staying. Some are staying in a traditional hotel, some are staying in an Airbnb or a VRBO. So the impact is not just one hotel downtown. It's one hotel downtown plus hotels by McClellan and in Natomas and in Arden and the Airbnbs surrounding the area. The, the impact is, is significant. And I, one of the things that, that we know is if conventions went away, the hotels would feel it, but so would the short-term rentals. If Aftershock wasn't there, they would not be nearly as busy as they are in October. So when we're looking at the convention center, a lot of times naysayers who talk about we shouldn't be expanding the convention center. They say, you know, while we make it SATCON, the Sacramento uh, Comic Book Festival, right. if we can't compete with San Diego for Comic-Con, or we can't compete with Las Vegas for the Consumer Electronics Show, why are we even doing this? We're, we just can't compete at the same level as other people, so don't do anything at all. How do you respond? Well, I think you, let's take the Super Bowl for an example. Is that the only championship football game that's played? Of course not. No. There's college championships, there's high school championships. They all add to wherever they're played. They all bring in revenue and, and provide economic um, engines. So it's the same sort of thing. Can we host the Democratic or the Republican National Convention? No. We don't have enough hotel rooms for that and our convention center isn't big enough. Hold it. Why does that matter? Oh, what do you, mean? you say we don't have enough. You said, just said we had 16,000 yeah. beds. So they need 22,000 rooms per night for a convention of that size. We don't, we don't have the, the infrastructure to host that here. How does that compare with the cities we compete against? Well, we compete against our two biggest competitors are San Jose and Long Beach. Similar products, similar inventory of, of hotel rooms, and similar size convention centers. You know, we don't typically compete with San Francisco. We don't compete with Chicago, New York, or some of the first tier cities. Um, you know, when the economy's bad, San Francisco can come into our neighborhood and just take what they want because they're San Francisco. But when the economy is good and we're competing with the normal competitors, there is a layer of business that we're all targeting. And people ask me all the time, what kind of business do you decide to go after? We go after what fits in this market, what our convention center is big enough to host, and what we have enough hotel rooms to satisfy the delegates, period. So when you're selling Sacramento, what are the key attributes that really excite the outside world in coming to see us? So if it's a traditional convention, they ask us two questions. How big is your convention center? How many hotel rooms do you have? If we answer that the right way for what they need, the conversation continues. If we don't, they go on to the next city. And, and we go to trade shows across the country and have these conversations. 
If we're going after leisure travel, it depends on who the group is. If, if it's a, a couple from Portland or San Francisco, um, what's the live music scene like? What's your hotels like? We want to do a, a getaway for the weekend. So a lot of it is product. Where are we going to stay? What is the, the caliber of the hotels? And the next question is, what's your restaurant scene like? Is there something that's different from where we live? And in Sacramento, we're obviously very fortunate with our restaurant scene. And you know, over the years, and I would say the last five to seven years, our, our star has risen significantly from a food scene standpoint. Tell, tell us a little bit more about that. So, you know, this region has always grown food well over a century that's happened. And I think for a long time, we didn't want to be known as a, as a, a government town or an ag town or a cow town. And so we ran from this agricultural definition of who we are. When food started becoming talked about a little differently in this country, when people started talking about how the food you put in your body impacts your health, suddenly Sacramento became a little more relevant because of how our restaurants are locally sourcing their food. And we can claim that better than anybody else. So, you know, in marketing, you want to be the biggest or the best or the only. And what we do better than most places in this country is grow food. And if you look at San Francisco and these award-winning restaurants, they're sourcing a lot of their produce from this region. If you go to New York City, the produce stands on the, on the street corners. If you look at those boxes, there are a lot of Northern California producers. Well, when I've been in other parts of the country, overseas, but particularly in San Francisco, mm -hmm. I hear them talking all the time in their restaurants about farm to fork, farm to fork. And I'm like, hey, where'd that come from? Yeah, which farm are you talking about? That's right. Yeah. That's right. And, and you, you can see our products. Yes. In, in those restaurants. So I guess imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. But it, it also shows that, you know, this farm to fork identity that we've carved here, or that we've started celebrating, isn't manufactured. It is the way we live. You, you think about how we source just as consumers. We have 40 farmers markets in this region. So many of us are used to going to that farmers market under the freeway on a Sunday. And while we're there, you see Randall Sellen, you see Patrick Mulvaney, you see Oliver Ridgeway, you see all these big chefs, they're sourcing for those restaurants that, that they own. We buy certainly produce in the grocery stores, but we also buy it directly from the farmer. They're not doing that in Wisconsin, and they're certainly not doing it year-round like we are in Sacramento. What are some of the other events that years ago we couldn't attract that we're attracting now and will be in the future? I think a few things. Number one, you look at the Golden One Center and you look at the caliber of concert that they're bringing. I think that arena was just named the 16th most successful arena in the world behind things like Madison Square Garden or the O2 Arena in London. They're bringing concerts that were bypassing Sacramento before that building was, was created. You look at events like the Farm to Fork Festival. We started seven years ago, 20,000 attendees. This past year, we had 155,000 people show up to that festival. The Tower Bridge Dinner, we shut down one of the smallest freeways in California and put a, a long farm table across that bridge and we do inter, dinner for 800 plus people. On that bridge, we have media from across the country, whether it's Food and Wine Magazine, GQ Magazine was on it last year. So these events that were not thought about in Sacramento before, and, and a lot of them are food related, are now just what we do. And, and the attention that it's bringing this market, not only for the people who live here, but from the outside, that's what's created the new narrative on Sacramento. Well, part of that new narrative, a recent thing that happened was we got our first Michelin star here. Right. How did that happen? So that was something, you know, we'd talked with chefs for years, how do we get Michelin's attention? And, and a lot of folks said, you never will. Sacramento's too small. They, they look at places like San Francisco and Chicago. And so, honestly, we, we made contact with the folks at Michelin, and, and we pursued them, and we 
probably bothered them a little bit and went to some of their events in San Francisco and, and started creating relationships and talking about the production in this in this market and how much food is being grown here and the caliber of chefs that are here and that you know we had chefs that, that left and went to Chicago and trained in Michelin restaurants and came back to Sacramento. And so once we got them here, once they saw the product that was here, and once they realized how many restaurants were using produce from this region, we got their attention. And you know, what I'm especially proud of is there were four cities in the United States that had Michelin guides. Chicago, Washington, D.C., New York, San Francisco, and the fifth one added was Sacramento. That's a big deal. That's pretty good culinary wow. company. And, and, and what that tells you is the caliber of our restaurant is on par with some of the greatest cities in the world. Now, it morphed into a larger book on California. Visit California came into that equation and helped us uh, make that happen. But again, Sacramento was the fifth city in the country added to that book. And they didn't do that because we're nice people or because we're charming. They did that because our restaurants are really good. Uh, my waistline would agree. <laughs> what other types of events can we look toward in the future? that we're going to be in a place to attract that will be new. And, and not only will outside visitors come, but these will be things that we as residents want to take advantage of as well. I think the success of Aftershock will breed more music festivals here. You know, whenever you have somebody successful in an endeavor, the, the next question is how do we make it bigger or how do we attract more? Because of what Aftershock has become over the last seven years, um, we are having those conversations actively with promoters about bringing more music festivals here. And I think you're going to start hearing some, some noise on that soon. No pun intended there because it's music. The other thing that we're seeing is sporting events. And a lot of these are resume builders. You know, we hosted the Olympic track and field trials a couple of times. And then we invested in the track at Sac State. And what that allowed us to do was go after the Junior Olympics and other USA track and field events and NCAA events. So as you host these events and as you host them successfully, you, you catch the attention of, of people who want to do more of those events. So again, it's, it's, it's you know, indicative to how Aftershock has gone because of the success more music festivals are contacting us. Because of the success of the Farm to Fork Festival, there's a lot more food events that are being planned. That's great. Some of those are small. You know, there's a, a dinner on Main Street in Woodland that replicates the Tower Bridge dinner. It's fantastic. There, there should be these events across the region. It's not just about Sacramento. Like we joked about San Francisco, where's the farms? There's no farms in downtown Sacramento. The farm to the fork of Sacramento is the surrounding region, whether that's Davis or Yuba City, Yolo County. It's across the region, and that's what we're celebrating. It, it appears that we've evolved in terms of the types of events that we host and attract. Yep. There are some that used to be really huge in the public's imaginations, and they're still important, but they've kind of diminished in terms of uh, their visibility. For instance, rail fare that happens every 10 years. Yeah. Uh, we used to have the Dixieland Jazz Jubilee. For the ones that have gone away, mm -hmm. that we, we no longer have anymore, is there anything that you and your colleagues ever think about bringing back? You know, we talk especially about the, the Dixieland Jazz Jubilee. It was such a tradition. It went, I think, 43 years in Sacramento. And in its heyday, it was attracting 100,000 people to not only Old Sacramento, but Cal Expo. And um, it was a big deal. And it was, it was a lot of fun. And I think because you have that history, you know that a music festival can be successful in Old Sacramento. You know, concerts and festivals are hard. And, and the promoters that I know, you have to be able to sustain a big loss one year to get a big gain the next year. And so uh, certainly they're not for the, the faint of heart and certainly they're not for folks who don't have deep pockets to withstand those losses. But I think because we have that history, yes, there is opportunity to bring an event like that back. Would it be uh, the same Dixieland Jazz Jubilee? Probably not, but you could certainly have that element as part of that. 
you know, events sometimes do have lifespans. And if you're not changing to meet the next generation who's attending festivals, you're, you're probably not going to make it. And so we've had some successful events in Sacramento that for whatever reason didn't make it. TBD Fest is another one, a great uh, music festival in, in Sacramento and then West Sacramento. So popular, so well attended, but ultimately financially it didn't work. I hear a ton of people saying, how do we bring that back? And so again, if we can get the folks from Aftershock to look at different genres of music, whether that's country or Americana, how do we bring those different things into this market? And, and, and I think you'll start seeing that. So you said a few minutes ago that we're at three billion in terms of the economic contribution to the region. Right. What is the contribution of tourism and amenities, as you've just described, to either keeping business in the region or attracting other forms of commerce mm -hmm. to the region itself? So it's one of the things that we pushed for so hard on the convention center expansion. We talked about the Wine and Grape Symposium. They had outgrown the building in its previous incarnation. And like any business, they're trying to grow. And if they can't grow in Sacramento, they're going to find somewhere else. And so the, the opportunity was for us to keep not only our largest annual clients, but to be able to attract larger conventions. Now, until we get more hotel rooms, that's going to be hard to do because you can't go after bigger groups if you don't have a place for them to sleep. And, and we are seeing some hotel development in the market. And what we'll do in the meantime is we'll be able to book two conventions in the building at the same time, whereas before we could only do one at a time. So there was two days of move out, two days of move in. The hotels felt that. So a bigger center will allow us to go after bigger business in theory, but you need that, that hotel to go with it. Are there obstacles in addition to just the number of hotels uh, proximate to the convention center that keep us from growing more exponentially? There's a lot of factors. You know, how many direct flights and non-stop flights do we have coming into the airport from which parts of the country? We've got flights to the East Coast, but we don't have four a day. So if I'm targeting a meeting planner that's based in Washington, D.C., they're looking at where their delegates are coming from and what is the ease of getting to Sacramento. Do they have to take three flights? Um, and, and the airport has done a phenomenal job in growing, and, and you look every year at what they've done to add airlines, and that has made the job easier. But, you know, the, I, I told you the first two questions are, how big is your convention center? How many hotel rooms do you have? And then it becomes, how many direct flights? How many nonstop flights? What's your restaurant scene look like? How far is your convention center from the hotels? So there are a lot of factors that make Sacramento attractive or less attractive, and it's, it's improved every year. It, when you look at the the increased interest in Sacramento mm -hmm. as a destination to recreate or to hold convention business. Is there a particular sector that you're looking at and you're saying, you know, here is a market that we should have that we don't have yet, but we're going for it? So there's a couple of things. I think for a long time, Sacramento just focused on the convention center. It is still the largest driver of tourism to the region. But again, there's a sports market. There's the music festival market. There's the LGBT community. We, we didn't make huge efforts to attract different groups that, that would find something for themselves in Sacramento. So that's one of the things that we've really tried to focus on. Who isn't coming to Sacramento? Who doesn't know about our city? We know that we can get conventions here. We know that with the right music festival, those people will attend. But this market is so diverse. I think we were just named the most uh, culturally diverse city in the country by uh, U.S. News and World Report, and Time Magazine named us that in 2002, which means there's a ton of different ethnicities and cultures represented here. So how do we represent and target some of those groups that would find something they can relate to in Sacramento? And, and I think, you know, that list is long. And 
without question, there are groups that we haven't gone, gone after, but part of our job is to identify who would fit in Sacramento and, and who would be attractive to the market and, and what would they bring, again, to, to the people who live here. One of the de ongoing debates in Sacramento is about civic amenities mm -hmm. and what amenities we should have, what we should, should be spending on them. What amenities are on deck right now that are most exciting that will help make your job easier in getting more people into our region? So I, I think, again, it's one of those things that's not very intuitive, and I, and I know I keep talking about music festivals, but let's, let's talk about Austin for a minute. Austin, prior to South by Southwest, was not a very popular city. They created this, this festival that was um, attended by about 900 people in the first year. Now, South by Southwest, you can't get a hotel room anywhere within an hour of Austin during that festival. But what it did was it, it attracted business there. 4,500 4, tech companies are now in Austin, Texas. Part of that was because of the music scene, because of the um, potential uh, workers that they were attracting. Young people were going to Austin because they wanted to align with music. Tech followed because young people were populating tech companies. So you think about what could happen in Sacramento. We're already seeing... We have an MLS team, we have our, our arena downtown, we have our convention center expanding, we have our old Sacramento waterfront developing. You start making this place more attractive to people from the outside to not only visit here but to move here. And suddenly the folks at GSEC becomes much easier to recruit businesses to Sacramento. I can tell you 10 years ago when I was in New York for a media event, I was sitting next to a reporter from about.com and she said to me, does Sacramento have an airport? You're kidding. And that was my reaction. You are kidding me. We are the capital of California, and you're asking me if we have an airport? But I think sometimes that's the challenge. You know, because we are in Sacramento, I'm always jealous of, of my counterpart in Indianapolis because in Indiana, Indianapolis is, is kind of the big game. Yeah, it is. In California, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Napa, San Diego. There are a lot of bucket list cities in our state, and because we are not as big as them and because we don't have a Golden Gate Bridge or an attraction like that, we don't get the same amount of attention. So it's on us to generate that, and we do that with Farm to Fork, with music festivals and with other things. And again, as you draw more attention to the market, it is that rising tide lifts all boats philosophy. Yeah. And I think we'll leave it there. Um, lots of exciting stuff happening and more to come. Indeed. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. And that's our show. Thanks to our guests, and thanks to you for watching Studio Sacramento. I'm Scott Syfax. See you next time right here on KVIE. Thank you for listening to Studio Sacramento from KVIE Public Television. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes to help others find it. All episodes of Studio Sacramento along with other KVIE programs, are available to watch online at kvie.org slash video.